Lonnie, what do you want? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm traditionally very bad at answering that question. Why? It's our desires that make us human. I'm just worried you're a little cut off from the world. You know, these days, I'm thinking I'm not cut off enough from the world. That's just what I'm talking about. You need to want something. It fuels your righteous destiny of helping the helpless. Helping the helpless? I don't know that I do that. I kind of amuse the board. Just tell me, what do you want? Okay, fine. Well... I'd really love to talk about Angel with Joshua Unruh of Pulp Diction Productions. Hey! What the- Um... Guys, why am I in a box? Damn, Jones! You're good! Welcome to Still Dead. I'm researcher and Southern Fried Scholar, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert, Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And we're here today to talk about the Angel Season 1 finale to Shanshu in LA, which is a watcher. We have unspeakable fiends from hell hot on our heels, so let's raise the stakes. In Tshanshu in L.A., Wesley is working hard to translate the scrolls of Abergian with little success. Shanshu, as far as he can tell, means death for Angel, and that's a bummer. Meanwhile, Wolfram and Hart raise a bunch of demons at the company picnic and need the scroll to destroy Angel and prevent him from completing his connection to the powers that be. The plan for destruction is simple. Steal the scroll, kill the oracles, take Cordelia out by giving her all the visions at once, and blow up Wesley and the headquarters. But because you can't get anything done right unless you do it yourself, the demon takes those tasks on himself instead of leaving it to Lindsay and Lila. Probably a wise move. With everything lost, Angel goes on the warpath and crashes through the window of the marble mausoleum where the demon is trying to raise something in a box. Angel kills the demon, but not before Lindsay finishes the ritual. Angel wants the scroll, but Lindsay's playing keep away, so Angel throws the scythe and slices off Lindsay's hand. While healing at Cordelia's place, Wesley discovers that Shan Shu means that Angel will live until he dies, that he will become human again. Meanwhile, in a box in a mausoleum, Lila welcomes the thing they raised back into the world. It's a feral Darla, crouched in the box, wondering what the fuck just happened here. Shanshu in L.A. aired on May 23, 2000. It was directed and written by David Greenwald. Yes. And today we have a special guest with us, superhero scholar Joshua Unruh of Pulp Diction Productions and my co-host for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, Listen Up A-Holes. Joshua is here to talk with us about this episode and to have a discussion about whether Angel is a superhero, a mystery man, or something else entirely. Welcome, Joshua. Thanks for having me, ladies. There's been a lot of shade, both on air and on Twitter. And so I am here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) This is going to be a fun discussion. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. But let's start with talking about the episode. And then we're going to get into all of these deep thoughts that Joshua has been holding in a crate that he's going to raise from hell (laughs) and open up for us. Damn, the shade Um, never stops. It never stops, man. (laughs) It's like doing a podcast with two sisters. You just got to get used to this thing. (laughs) All right. So moments of perfect happiness. Joshua, you're our guest. Why don't you go ahead and get us started? 
well, my first one, I think I kind of put these notes in chronological order. We'll see. But <laughs> the first thing that really caught my attention, let me say, I haven't watched a lot of Angel in quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but the first one that jumped out at me was Cordy saying he helps the helpless and now he's one of them. Yeah. This is a yeah. just really great reversal of the usual status quo. And it's not one the angel would come to on his own. You know, mm -hmm. it's got to be the people that are close to him seeing that in him. But yeah, it yeah. just, I, as a superhero guy, I love these uh, like call and response kind of sayings that happen over time, you know, caped crusader, yes. man of steel, meanwhile at the hall of justice, you know, mm -hmm. and right. mm -hmm. that's one of angels and to have it turned around on him was really great. Yeah, I liked that a lot, too. And I really liked um, Cordy's whole thing about she was so invested in giving him something to want. Yeah. You know, in bringing him into the world so that he could, you know, feel something like, you know, when they tell him that he's going to die, he's just like, yeah, OK, so what? You know, and the idea that I, I mean, it's kind of funny because here we are. We've got this prophecy that Angel's going to die and Angel doesn't care. Right. So Cordelia is like, I'm going to make you depressed about the fact that you're doing. <laughs> I mean, because that's still caring, I right? Love life. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I thought that that was really, really kind of fun. Um, and I loved opening up with uh, with Nabbit as the the fanboy coming in with the purple cloak and just like, you guys want to hang, you know? Which I thought was really sweet, but also like nothing to do with anything else in the episode. <laughs> like it just was a point of humor, I think. Yeah, I had a research question about Nabbit. Yeah, mm -hmm. basically. What the hell was Nabbit doing? Like, he shows up. He's got his cute little Dungeon Master cape. Mm -hmm. He fanboys all over the place. And then he leaves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the episode. Since Nabbit is one of my things to stake, I will come back to your research questions when we get to that part of the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I actually, I like Nabbit, but in this episode, does not belong. You know, like, yeah. so I enjoy him as a character. I kind of like... I like the concept of what they're doing with him, but they're not actually doing anything mm -hmm. with him, and it's not mm -hmm. related to the story. And this this episode, and we'll get to this in in the staking, but this episode is not, I think, a a fine narrative experience so much as it is. Oh, we've only got one episode in which to finish everything, so here we go. Um, so that's kind of how <laughs> this feels to me. But um, so Kelly, what are what's some of your moments of of perfect happiness in this? Okay, so like I know there's a ton of stuff that happens mm -hmm. in this episode, right? It's big, it's flashy, stuff gets blown up, yeah. magical creatures die. <laughs> but there's a thread that runs all the way through between a man and his citations. Oh. And <laughs> like, it's nothing. The, the greatest love it's story ever told. Ever told. Oh my God. <laughs> like, we open with Angel and Cordy and Wesley together, and they're each kind of doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Angel's reading, Wesley's translating. Um, and, and we're going to end with that exact same scene, yeah. like that same scenario. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I love Wes. Like, he's so stressed out. Like, this one word is, is driving him crazy. And he's going to the rare bookstore. He's going to find all these references. You know, he is working that citation list. Mm -hmm. um, he's doing that threaded research. You know, he's citing his sources. He, and, it, and it carries through, like, no matter what else is going on, he's still working that problem Yeah, mm -hmm. in his mind the whole episode. I don't know that there's much that makes me happier 
than that. Yeah, no, it's really nice. And I like that book ending too, because uh, the, one of the great things about book ending, which is where you start a story in one place and you end it in a, a place that's reflective, but because of everything that happened in between, the end is different from the beginning. And that's what gives mm-hmm. you your meaning in the story, right? Because that shows us what has changed, you know? And uh, and it's kind of fun. We have, you know, in the end, um, Cordelia taking care of them. She's making Angel his blood. We're family. Don't worry about it. You know, she's giving Wesley a sandwich. She's, you know, she's gone through this, like, you know, huge transitional experience. And it's so nice having those reflecting back on each other. Yeah. And, and just kind of the role of, the scroll and the prophecy and translation in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember how Elizabeth Gilbert talks about the idea of something being both completely sacred and completely meaningless. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it felt a lot like that because Wesley is giving this all he has while at the same time telling angel, this is not an exact science. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. You know, and, and Cordy has that one line of, well, it's just a prophecy. It's not like it came from on high. <laughs> you know, so you have this, you know, magical and mundane. You have the mm-hmm. certainty, well, this is a prophecy. It's like officially stamped with a letterhead. So we know it's important, but at the same time, we know it's not exact. And, right. and Wesley's space in that as both scholar and skeptic. I just I really love how they did that yeah. throughout this whole episode. Yeah, no, I thought that was really good. Joshua, what did you think about that? Now, you haven't watched as much Angel. You're not as into it as we are. So I'm really interested in um, kind of what you thought about all of this as you were as you were watching it. Was it confusing because there's so much stuff kind of happening? Oh, no. I mean, I watched mm-hmm. this stuff when it originally aired. And mm-hmm. then we own ancient DVD sets. Oh, my God. You have to get up. <laughs> And put them in. A- <laughs> yes, that's why I complained about it in Slack. It's ridiculous. I have to play an actual DVD. Shameful. Oh, man. I have all the DVDs. I own everything, but I watch it on Hulu because I just, I yeah. cannot get up and like, you know, go to the TV and put the thing, you know, it's just too much. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen it a few times, just not in some time, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't confusing at, at all. Uh, this is kind mm-hmm. of before the show becomes, in my opinion, total trash. So this is the part that I can actually keep track of. <laughs> this is the part when they're doing things that actually gel together and make sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So no, no, this was this was uh, this was pretty easy to follow, and they do a really good job with those character beats of reminding you what this show is in this episode. You know yeah. that it is this mm-hmm. juxtaposition of life and death and ridiculousness, and you know, big at least at the, this point in the show, capital G and E, good and evil, and and also these people who have to be a family, even though. They barely get along. I mean, you know, it it did a really good job of putting all that together here. Yeah, I thought that was really great. And I'm glad that you're enjoying it, too, because, you know, obviously, Kelly and I love this show, both for its, you know, good parts and for its flaws. You know, But, you know, one of the things that I really loved about this episode is that we have these demons, right, that are raised by Wolfram and Hart. And their whole thing is like, we're going to destroy Angel. We're going to take him down. And then everything they do 
just motivates him more and mm-hmm. makes him more dedicated to whatever this destiny is. You know, like they they hurt Cordelia, they take her out, they blow up Wesley, you know, they blow up the headquarters, which I think is really nice. And I love that game changer, you know, where we end a season and we can't ever go back to the way things were before. It's going to be completely different in the new season. I love that. That's always really, yeah. really fun. I love a good game changer at the end of a season. Um, but it's everything that he actually does, this demon does, just makes Angel more powerful. Angel is never more powerful than when he's pissed off. Well, and I will say, and I know like I have made this point before and I will stand here and be wrong <laughs> and stand in my wrongness, but I still believe this Yes, <laughs> because I know Angel, you know, his purpose is his power and his power is his purpose mm-hmm. and all of those things. But Angel doesn't become pissed until the people he loves are attacked. Yes. Until he almost loses these people that he loves. And it doesn't have to be romantic love, but love does motivate him. Yeah. And, and I, I will stand and die on the hill that love is what fuels, you know, any goodness. Love is what fuels a direct purpose. Oh, I don't think anybody's going to argue they, with you about that. Yeah. I, I think they show it really, really <laughs> well in this. Um, and I like that it wasn't just putting Wesley and Cordy in some kind of jeopardy. Like, they didn't kidnap them and lock them up in Wolfram and Hart. Right. Like, like. This demon of the underworld, he, he dude is playing for keeps. Right. He is not messing around. Um, and I really like Angel's response to that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, the cool control that he has. But he's absolutely, like, determined nothing's going to stop him. He is going to do whatever it takes to save these people because he loves them. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that's a huge, you know, motivator. And it's the one thing that, like, the demon couldn't anticipate that that by doing this you're actually making angel more powerful because you're connecting him to the people he loves like cordy is so worried that he's disconnected from the world but he's not he's connected to these people these are his people you know and he feels very strongly about that joshua i know we i saw a couple of things in your notes about the demon guy <laughs> so what do you think about the demony part of this uh this episode i like that demon guy mm-hmm. for both positive and negative reasons <laughs> <laughs> so some of him is super sinister mm-hmm. and I love that. And then he goes out in the daytime and I was like, oh, hell, you guys probably should have spent a little more money on this. If you were going to shine an actual <laughs> sunlight on it, you know, I know he's got that copper face mask on just the moisturizing underneath and, you know, <laughs> but it just, it's just shapeless black cloak in shadows is awesome. Yeah. Shapeless black cloak right. in sunlight. I'm like. That he stands out. He does. He does. <laughs> Is he on his way to the Ren Fair? My understanding was that he had some kind of like mystical cloaking thing and nobody else totally, could see him. Totally. But, but we, we can see, see him. him. And that's the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I did I did really like the uh you guys are right on. Um and we'll when we get to the compare and contrast with Batman. Uh, Mm -hmm. there may be some more space for this, but that is kind of a really classic supervillain miscalculation where supervillains think, well, I'll undermine the hero by attacking his emotional ties because as a soulless monster, I don't really understand ties. Right. Yeah. And so it's just, it it makes complete sense from the villain standpoint, but Mm -hmm. the backfiring is also like, well, yeah, because he cares. I know. 
you know. And that's the human yeah. part of Angel. You know, I mean, that's the thing that makes him human. Because even though, you know, we've got all these demons and everything, they're, they're, they're just coded for human, you know, and especially Angel that way. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Um, I thought that um, the, it was really fun to see Gunn to have Gunn mm-hmm. brought in even just for a minute and his job was to watch over you know Cordy and Wesley and I really loved that Angel trusted him with something that important yeah. yeah and like I had one quick note about the demon guy oh yeah that I did like how sinister he was and like he didn't evil monologue you know he just kind of does the bad things mm-hmm. But when that side, like, magically materialized behind him when he killed the oracles, mm-hmm. that was badass weaponry right there. <laughs> yeah. Sides are no, great. And There's I a like lot it. of imagery <laughs> with sides. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, death traditionally with a side because it is a reaper of souls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea that this guy is like a reaper of goodness. Like, you know, it's fine. I'll cut it all down. Right. I'll gather it up and pitch it in the yeah. fire. It'll be fine. It's pretty good. And then he just leaves it in the in the female oracle. Yeah. So, I wonder why. Because he, he can he get more. Like, he just left it. Right. They're disposable. Right. He can just oh. generate them. Oh. It's like he's. It's like an invisible calling quiver. Card. And he just keeps pulling them out. He has left yeah. behind right, the calling, the calling card. card. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a business card with a lobster when I can leave my side sticking right out of your chest? Yep. <laughs> right. Now oh, that's God. proper supervillain thinking. <laughs> that is that absolutely is. <laughs> go big or go home, right? Yeah, and he did go big. And like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was shocked at like the lack of an undo button. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, dude kills the oracles mm-hmm. and, and that changes this world a little bit. Um, right. It take like, it takes power to get in there and to do that. Mm-hmm. And they it can't be undone. You know, he yeah. blows up angels headquarters yeah and i remember like being genuinely surprised the first time i saw that yeah. and it caught me by surprise again even though i knew it was going to happen mm-hmm. um because that can't be undone either right you know and and i think they were making big permanent choices and he was executing that without hesitation um so i think as far as villains go he was pretty badass he was he was really good and i do that that's part of the thing that's what makes the game changer right you know here we have had these oracles which i think have been you know i mean kind of a weak bit of world building anyway so kill them kill them dead absolutely um but it's nice because you know she comes out and she says everything's different the old rules mm-hmm. are not applying anymore i don't even know what the hell i'm just gonna go on to my <laughs> afterlife and try to have a drink you know and get over this you know but yeah. I loved how she waited around for Angel though. Yeah. Like she, I always liked her the best yeah. of the two of them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've been dead a while. So far, I don't like it. Yeah. And it's like, oh baby, you're not still dead. You got to give it some time. <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of wanted to go and like carry two flavors of Pop Rocks mm-hmm. and lay them on top of their bodies in memorial. Uh, Be like, oh oracles, we barely knew. Pour these. out some barely. Pop Rocks <laughs> for your homies. <laughs> exactly um but i liked seeing you know angel running into that fire yeah to save wesley i mean anyone running into a fire is dangerous enough for a vampire the stakes are a little higher um and then he's (laughs) i didn't even do that on purpose oh my god it just comes naturally at a certain point yes (laughs) but in the hospital you know he he has to switch between wesley and cordy um and it 
it he has to you know go check on one of them and go check on the other and mm-hmm. I, I like how he's sort of torn and trying to take care of them both at the same time and that he actually has to go ask Gunn for help. Yeah. You know, and I was so excited to see Gunn. Yeah. And Angel said, these people mean a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And Gunn said, I'm getting that. And that I I just, I like bringing Gunn back in. I mm-hmm. like Gunn being the person that Angel turns to when he needs help. I love Gunn. One of the things I love about Gunn, and we get a little bit of this, like before Angel comes skidding in in the Batmobile and Joshua, we will, put that off for later about whether or not it's a Batmobile. Hashtag not a Batmobile. Um, okay. <laughs> we'll argue about that later. Um, but he comes skidding in. But right before that, you have this really wonderful, um, you know, kind of uh, back and forth with the gun and, and one of his, his guys there. And I love, I love seeing the masculine in loving positive community right i don't Mm. think that we we you know we always have this idea of you know the men go out they're alone they're james bond they're indiana jones they don't have time for connection or community or anything um but gun is a is like a really wonderful representation of positive male community you know that these guys are working together they're good to each other they're you know they're loving to each other they're you know there's affection there um and when angel comes in and he says, you know, these people mean a lot to me, which is which is a very simple thing for Angel to say and something that can easily, you know, be dismissed. I see Gunn like getting that like Gunn is the mm-hmm. leader of his group and he's responsible for his people. And you can see how much he cares about his people. And then when he sees that in Angel, I feel like it's game recognizing game. But in in the way that isn't isn't about badassery or any of that other stuff that they also both share but it is this this leading that community it's the love for the people that are yours you know and i really right. liked seeing that reflection gun was only in there for a minute but i thought that was really nice one thing that keeps oh, coming yeah. up on my and i swear <laughs> we will do all the batman things later <laughs> but one thing that keeps coming up on my batman the animated series podcast an animated mm-hmm. discussion is how they keep showing that Bruce Wayne and Batman are both really mm-hmm. involved at a very human street level. They yeah. have mm-hmm. Batman working with a priest to redeem this gangster. They have uh-huh. Bruce Wayne peeling potatoes at a homeless shelter, and mm-hmm. that's how he finds out that homeless people are disappearing, right? Oh. And mm-hmm. I just really appreciate that because we don't get that from Angel, and so having Gunn kind of be a similar character to Angel, but more tied into the community and doing things mm-hmm. for the community while yeah. also, you know, being this show's version of a crime fighter is pretty great. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't have this sense of, you know, that that masculinity is somehow, you know, tied to being separate, being alone, being tough. Yeah, he's got like a team. All this kind of stuff. You know. Right. You can be a badass yeah. and still care very deeply for people and have deep, you know, like personal, meaningful connections. Um, and I just really, I like seeing that. And it's one of the things that we see in this show, you know, throughout. There's there's good masculine community in a lot of places here. And I really, really like seeing that. And it might even be a theme yeah, of the a, episode a, to bring that back. Because it's not mm-hmm. like Angel yeah. didn't care about Cordy and Wesley at the beginning. Yeah. He had to be reminded how much he cares at them. Well, had to be from a narrative standpoint, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Right. Let's do awful things to our friends so we remember we love them. Right. <laughs> but, you know, like in, in terms of the story, he had to be reminded how much he cared for them. And so, right. yeah, well, I think that, that, that gun is a great yeah. 
sort of uh, like asterisk by that. Like, yep, never forget. I do this yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I thought that was mm-hmm. really, really great. I like that a lot. Um, all right. So who else has something for me? Kelly, you got anything else? Moments of perfect I, happiness? I, I, I did. Um, and I, it's kind of funny because we talk a lot about mirror and reflection and contrast. Yeah. But I loved the comparison of like Angel, Wesley, and Cordy versus Holland, Lila, and Lindsay. Oh, oh yeah. I do love opposite you, number you, villains. You, Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So you kind of have this Wolfram and Hart trio. You know, they're going out to greet the demons when they're like coming through the ground or the portal or whatever. Um, and you know, the three of them are kind of trying to you know make this thing happen. And um, but they're so nonchalant about it. They're so mm-hmm. it. They're so bored by the pomp and circumstance <laughs> of the whole ceremony. Like he cracked me up. Holland said. You know, he's talking about the raising ritual, mm-hmm. and he's like, the chanting, the blood rites, they go on forever. <laughs> and I felt like, as someone who has attended probably 50 graduations <laughs> as a faculty member, you know, after a while, you're like, yes, the yes, ritual is I'm very important for you. This but is not to me. Exactly. Yes, this is exciting, but oh my God, please. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and I just, I loved that. Like, they're so comfortable with their choices mm-hmm. and with their space in the world. You know, um, and but I also like the the idea when he said they go on forever mm-hmm. of that being a play on words about evil going on forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And and I just I thought that that was really interesting. But I, I just loved the the difference of those two team dynamics. Yeah. Um, and then I loved that it got personal because we've had the powers that be versus the senior partners or we've had good versus evil but this comes to such a personal head that we now have angel versus Lindsay. oh mm. yeah you know and and what they both embody in that and what they're both fighting for and kind of this unresolved conflict between the two of them yeah because you know we open this episode and angel's kind of in a funk like he's down he's disconnected and i wonder if that is because he lost Lindsay Mm -hmm. like Lindsay made the choice he made and whether Angel is either questioning his role in that or seeing it as one more example of you know good can never win because evil has the corner suite and the high salary and the benefits and you know and like is that weighing on him in such a way that it's making him think all of his work is pointless Mm -hmm. and they don't really articulate that but I just it, it really spoke to me. And then when we do get the real, or at least what we think is real at the time, translation mm-hmm. of Shanshu, you know, the idea that Angel will become human as his reward, there's this one smile yeah. from from Angel. And it's that same kind of smile that we saw when he turned human earlier and he could see his reflection in the window. Mm-hmm. It's It's kind of joyful. It's kind of childlike. And that smile just lit up my heart. Um, and then we got Darla. Oh, yeah. I, 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 dude, like, I, I am here for this. <laughs> Darla in a box, baby. <laughs> Darla in a box. Dar- you know, Darla, green, e- green eggs and ham. Like, I will cheer for Darla anywhere. I don't care. <laughs> put her on a train. Put her on a plane. Put her in a box. I, I don't care. Like, I am here for this. And, like, threading that into season two, which is some of my favorite of Angel. I am so damn excited. I can't Can stand I it. Can I co-sign? Yeah. Your evil goes on forever with like maybe another there's another aspect to that, I think. And I think it's okay. one that gets dealt with in this episode. Because evil does go on forever, but it's also 
banal and boring. Mm-hmm. It's not fulfilling, yeah. right? Like, yes, it's yeah. got a lot of flash. Mm-hmm. It gets the corner office. It gets the big salary, but it just goes on. But it doesn't have. It doesn't meaning. have meaning. Like that's yeah. That's the whole thing. Like oh. all of this is about meaning, and because evil doesn't have meaning, that's why the um, the demon cannot understand. You know, like he's looking at he's looking at cutting ties, you know, from Angel at like he's going to make Angel weaker by taking these people out when, you know, when he threatens those people, he makes Angel stronger because that love and that meaning, you know, and that purpose fuels him, whereas evil doesn't really have a purpose. But um, but I really like uh, Joshua. I noticed in your notes you had kind of a very cool nickname for the demon (laughs) in my ongoing efforts to get Lonnie to listen to Wu-Tang Clan. I have. Oh, I co-signed that. I have named completely. him the Gross Face Killer. <laughs> After Wu Tang's own Ghost Face Killer, which is something I would never know if Joshua hadn't brought it up on Listen Yo. Up Ahos. I'll tell you something: when we have ChipperCon, you know, when we figure out where we're gonna, everybody's gonna, you know, connect for ChipperCon coming maybe 2019. People, we'll we'll see what we can do. Um, we will play. Um, oh can. yeah, because because we ain't yes, in the fuck we will. with. And also, protect your neck. Just saying, it is yeah. Angel and Buffy. Uh, mean nothing to me, but I presume from context those are those are uh, Wu Tang songs. Yeah, well, yeah, and you're talking to a woman who has the Tao of Wu Tang book on her bookshelf um that i bought for my Uh, son for christmas but also just chipper con note yeah since we're gonna do this in st louis just be prepared when you guys walk on stage i am opening the show with country grammar all right so (laughs) prep now that just just a thing it's in my heart it's on my wish list i have to make that happen all right now we'll make it happen absolutely chipper con 2019 (laughs) (laughs) next year in st louis laheim All right, bringing us back to Angel. Um, I really love too the title of the um, of the episode, which was "To Shanshu in L.A.," right? Which of course is based on "To Live and Die in L.A.," and Shanshu means to live and die. And yet, when I first watched this episode, it never even occurred to me that that would be like to like think more deeply about that. Did you guys pick up on that? Were you surprised when he said it means both to live and to die at the end? No, because. I'm an academic, and that's how we roll. Okay. But I didn't pick that up from the title. Oh, mm-hmm. where'd you pick it up from? Uh, Wesley. Um, <laughs> because any time, uh, well, and it's like, um, like when we talked about the towering, and we you talk about like the cards in an oracle deck, or yes, in a yeah. you know in a tarot, in a tarot, a tarot deck, tarot deck. Uh-huh. like the death card does not mean death, right? So it never, I, I never believed for one second that that's actually what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not realize that it was going to be, okay, Angel's going to fulfill this destiny and then become human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it never dawned on me that it was actually going to mean death. Because yeah. also when you're translating something like that or, or you're doing something that has been translated multiple times, mm-hmm. it's never just about the word. Yeah. You know, there has to be cultural association with what that means. Mm-hmm. And death is more of a concept than a verb. Right. So, no, but I didn't pick up on the, the connection to the title mm-hmm. and until you put it in your notes. And then I went, oh, God, she's so smart. <laughs> but 
I didn't get that. <laughs> no, no. I just, this is the first time I, I picked up on that. I thought about it and I was like, oh, wow, it says in the title to live and die, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. referencing that already. Um, so speaking of living and dying, we've got Lindsay, right? <laughs> Who loses a hand at the end, which I think is like an incredibly powerful moment. Um, Joshua, what did you think about him cutting off Lindsay's hand? Losing arms or hands is a really good escalation that doesn't this is this is weird to say and I don't want to sound like too ableist but in fiction getting your hand yes. or your arm cut off is like oh this just got serious but I'm also not dead you know right and well, it's right. personal and it's that changes now you. for right. Lindsay mm-hmm. I think it was personal yeah. for Angel going in because he tried to help Lindsay turn around and come yes. out and Lindsay said no you know he didn't know until he knew but you know, Lindsay right. slapped that helping hand away. Oh my God, I might be mm-hmm. sensing a theme. Um, <laughs> and then, but it's still not personal for Lindsay. He's still just doing a job uh-huh. until Angel maims him. And now I'm like, okay, now right. we have personal enmity. Great. We need right. that for no, next season. <laughs> right. And that kind of thing, though, like, I mean, when you, when you lose a limb, I mean, that does change you. But one of the things that I find, I mean, no spoilers, not just for uh, Angel, but for other things as well, that when somebody loses a hand or they're like maimed in that way, it often opens up a new source of power for them. You know, it opens up like a different, like you think about Daredevil, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, who's blind, but that opens up new power for him. And so when I see Lindsay losing his hand, he is forever changed. He can never go back to who he was before. But who he's going to be now, I think, is going to be darker and scarier and I think more interesting um, and probably a lot more powerful. Um, You see that a lot, actually, in various Mm -hmm. superhero stories, especially like look at Bucky. Or uh-huh. Doctor Strange. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. You you lose mm-hmm. a thing to gain something more. Um, and even then, you have kind of shades of possible meaning there, where with Bucky, you had something taken from him, and mm-hmm. he's trying to get something back. And with Doctor Strange, it's like, you took my power away from me. I will go find a different non-physical power. So, yeah, right. there's lots mm-hmm. of different ways. And, I mean, we know how they go with Lindsay. But just in that moment, you're watching it going, there's lots of different ways that can go. But they all end with him trying to murder Angel. Yes. No, there's only one <laughs> There's only one direction this train goes in, and that's it. <laughs> These two are going to be in it to the death, um, which I think is really cool. Kelly, what did you think about that, about this this escalation of this, you know, connection between Lindsay and Angel? So I'm straddling here between moments of perfect happiness and things I want to stake. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I like the escalation. Mm -hmm. I like Angel is now written Lindsay off. You know, like they are going to be in this enemy space. He throws that side without a moment's hesitation. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think also shocks Lindsay. Like there's a moment of, holy shit, dude, just cut off my hand. Yeah, did not Um, see that coming. I did not see that coming. Like, I don't think Lindsay really thought angel was going to be capable of something like that yeah um and so it it was it was really interesting to me to see it but i have a very difficult time with dismemberment in any form i understand the the literary some you know symbolism of it i understand how it works in the story Mm -hmm. but as someone who has lost a vast majority of one of her arms you know Mm -hmm. the use of 
like I have a difficult time with, okay, you get maimed in that way and then you tap into some other kind of power. Um, I spent two years in a sling with, oh. you know, only mm-hmm. one hand that I could use. That shit did not make me powerful. That shit made me clumsy as hell. So, like, I sometimes when I... Your power comes from another source, baby. You are highly, <laughs> highly internal, powerful. Like Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with your injury, but yeah. I wish I could go learn magic like Dr. You Strange. You learned the magic um, of academia. <laughs> you opened the third power. eye of research. Uh, yes. Yeah. No. And actually, it's really funny because I was reading notes. I was walking and reading um, when I fell. So there you go. My superpower took me down. But um, but sometimes I wonder, I'm like, people who write that shit have never actually been through this. (laughs) And and it's just an interesting kind of dynamic. Um, But for what happens after this and how we see Lindsay living with it, like Mm -hmm. not to spoil, but I like how they handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like that moment where he's, you know, holding on to his wrist and you have the bloody stump with the hand. Like, I have to look away. I just can't. That is really so, hard. I mean, that's hard to watch. Like, I think for anybody, that's really, yeah. really difficult. Um, Yeah. But that's and tough. so I, I get what it does in the story and I like what it does in the story. But there's something about chopping off body parts in any story. And it was that way for me before I hurt my arm. Like, yeah. I've been that way my whole life. Mm-hmm. It just crosses a line. Yeah. Um, somebody loses an eye or somebody loses a hand. Like, it just, it takes me out of the story in a way that makes me uncomfortable. But I think that's just me. No, I don't. I think that's deliberately why they do it. I think that they're choosing to to escalate it so much that it affects us viscerally like that, you know. So while I don't enjoy seeing anybody get hurt, you know me, I've got this empathy thing. So like, I feel yeah. pain when I see people in pain. It's really <laughs> terrible. And I hate it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that um that it's it's meant to be so shocking and so horrible, you know, that you you do feel it viscerally. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to watch that moment, you know, and not be as shocked as Lindsay was. Like, you know, I think Lindsay right. was was banking on Angel's goodness, mm-hmm. meaning that he's going to have boundaries. You know, that there's certain things he's not going to do because of those boundaries, because bad people do that all the time. They use the boundaries of good people, you know, against them. That's their protection from anything ever getting really too bad for them because they're the bad guys. Right. Um, But Angel was willing to do that. Angel didn't hesitate to do that. He's like, I will chop off your hand and you're lucky. It's just your hand. You're lucky. I don't have time to. Lindsay is very confused about the difference between goodness and niceness. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. There is a big difference between being good and being nice. And um, Angel is not being nice. But uh, no. And and I think Lindsay, I think Lindsay also misunderstands the the sort of protection that he has just because he's human. Yeah. Like he would think, okay, well, I can try to kill Angel, but Angel would never actually do that to me because I'm human. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't understand that he's crossed a line with Mm -hmm. Angel. Angel has no fucks left to give. And it's not about what you are. It's about, you know, what you do and the choices that you make. And Lindsay chose. And they had that discussion, you know, before Mm, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you chose. You made your choice. And that's the thing with Angel. It's like, you made your choice. I don't care about demon. I don't care about souls. I don't care about human. This is what you are. And I'm fighting you. And that's it. You know, and he doesn't have the kind of, you know, goody-goody sort of boundaries. You know, the, the pearl clutching. I would never do that, you know. 
Uh, Angel will do what needs to happen to, to get the job done. So that kind of moves us, I think, a little bit into our stake this sec- segment of the program. And I'm going to start by staking Kate. Can I just stake her? Can I stake her with yes. a really, really big stake? Here's a scythe. I just drew it right oh my from God. my back. Yes, you can have throw it. it <laughs> she's her. really she awful, is you guys. The worst. No, she's terrible. And the whole thing, like, first of all, we don't need her in this episode. She's awful. Why we even have her? I don't even know. It must have been a contract thing. But, um, but she's just terrible to him she's so mean and she's so snotty and she's like you know i don't forget you know like who killed my father yeah it wasn't angel angel was trying to save your father you know shut up (laughs) so um so i didn't i didn't have a whole lot of time for kate i usually don't she's almost always in my sake this i'm gonna start calling it kate this you know um But uh, but she was particularly abhorrent, I think, in this in this episode. And um, the other thing, too, that kind of I I don't think it's really so much like I hated it, but it seemed a little weird and mundane for a demon who can like magically produce a scythe and just casually leave it in the back of a higher being, you know, Um, all of these things. And then he's like, you know what? Bomb. That's what I'm going to do. Give me some explosives. Give me some of that modern world explosive action. <laughs> like well, That seemed a little weird. I mean, I like the overall I effect it. of it. <laughs> I like that he blew up the place. I like that they lost their their headquarters and their place of business. It brings on this great game changer. You know, we got Wesley, you know, um, hurt by that. Um, but, but the bomb, I don't know. Joshua, am I overreacting to that? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what you want from it. Wolfram and Hart already shows us this strange marriage between supernatural evil and incredibly mundane things. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. also think that there's something to be said. Like, we were just talking about how, you know, evil's kind of wide as an ocean, deep as a puddle. And right. the idea that he would be like, well, yes, magic scythe, but why get creative for this pile of bricks? <laughs> You know, right. a little bit of C4 <laughs> will go just far enough. Go <laughs> yeah, next thing we just need him using a cell phone, you know, contact him. In 2000, what now? Come on. I have an exit. No, they, they have cell phones. It is a whole thing about how Angel hates cell phones. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like that to me felt a little... Uh, you know, incongruent, I guess. But I, I, but I think you're right. Like Wolfram and Hart, bombs are completely like they're not going to leave anything on the table. They're not going to leave any power on the table. Yeah. Bomb is power. And can't you just it. imagine like the the VIP visitor valet, uh-huh. you know, butler closet at Wolfram and Hart? Like so, like the demon comes in and they're like, "Oh, welcome, sir. Can we get you a sacrifice or some blood or, you know, like open the door and be like, would you like any of these weapons mm-hmm. or C four? And he's just kind of like packing up I his stuff kind of like you know you take the free shampoo from a hotel <laughs> you got a backpack because i'm gonna i don't know it makes me doesn't make me look bulky under the cape though if i have the backpack yeah. is that, and, how about a fanny got an extra dimensional <laughs> backpack that that's I can where carry. the sides come from cargo pants that'll do it because then you can just like fill them up <laughs> without no, bulking just... up under the cape right <laughs> he's just standing there with his arms crossed he's like yes i want the scroll have you got the scroll? <laughs> well, if you do not have the scroll, I suppose I will take this bomb. <laughs> like a welcome basket, you know? Exactly. Welcome to LA. Here's the map of the stars. Here's your bomb. Like, I could totally see Wolfram and Hart. Welcome basket is like, here's your basket, still beating heart. 
Right. Small yes. pile of C4, <laughs> an array of sides for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. A lint roller for your and black the... cloak. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god, a lint roller with the initials of the firm on it. That is now officially in my okay. head. Okay, now I have to have that lint roller. We have to go find it. I will make Monogram it if I have to. GFK for gross face killer. all right joshua did you have anything you wanted to stake in this episode i have a couple a couple of things okay nabbit that's his name right Mm -hmm. the ceo Mm -hmm. yeah okay i recognize that this is a few years before geek chic was a thing and i recognize that joss whedon is full of self-loathing for being a giant dork Yes. Mm-hmm. But you can miss me with this shit. Like, I'm not, I am not here for this poking fun at nerd stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I, because that's all, not only does he not do anything in this episode, but everything he does, he's like, look at my dungeon master's cape. And it's like, motherfucker, I've been doing this since I was 13 and I have never worn a cape. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if you want to, but don't be yeah. like, and this is completely a thing that everybody does. Dude. Exactly. Show me your dice bag and then I'll know you're legit. (laughs) 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 Oh, see, I like Nabbit specifically because he is so incredibly sweet and good natured, you know, like they do the nerd teasing, which is not my favorite thing, you know, but, um, but his overall like enthusiasm and goodness and you help the helpless and, you know, and his, his instant recognition of like the meaning in that, even though narratively, um, it, it doesn't make any, it doesn't have any place in this episode. Like there's no reason. The only reason we have him in there is so that we can make fun of him. And that kind of sucks. Um, but I like him. I just, I like the actor. I like him. There's something incredibly sweet and vulnerable about this guy who just wants to hang out. You know, um, I like the fact that we have a man in Cordy's presence who is not objectifying her, um, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing to have, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Nabbit, but I completely understand, you know, why that might not fly. I with agree you. with all the things you <laughs> yeah. like. They're just hard to see mm-hmm. behind the writers being dicks. Yes. Yes. No, okay. Completely. So, righteous indignation, Unruh, is now my favorite flavor. <laughs> Wait till we get to the <laughs> And I'm going to need more of that. It's going to get real. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, and I like Nabbit, too. It, it just, there's just something kind of sweet and adorable about him. Mm-hmm. But. I still don't understand what the hell he was doing there. Oh, yeah. This episode specifically, what is happening with him? What the hell, right? Like, so I tried to put on my Lonnie Diane Rich hat, right? Because I'm (laughs) podcasting with a super genius and I'm trying to learn. So I was like, all right, how would I have rewritten that? Mm -hmm. There's going to be a visitor, but I don't want it to be Nabbit. Mm -hmm. And I think it should have been Gunn. Oh, yeah. Because then Angel would have come back to Gunn when he needed help. That's better. Like, maybe, Right. I thought, That's okay, they could have better. done something there that would have yeah. been kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Gunn would have been like, hey, have you seen this, you know, Phantom of the Opera dude walking around with a scythe? Because <laughs> he just passed by our neighborhood. Um, like yeah. something like that. But Yeah, I or Gunn being there as a, because the thing is like this whole opening is about Angel doesn't care if he dies. Right. Right. You know, Gunn comes in 
says, you know, brings a completely dangerous thing to Angel and Cordy and Wesley want to pull him back from it, you know, and Angel's like, nope, going to do it. If I die, I die, you know, like, yeah. you know, like right after they find out about he's going to die, Gunn comes in and gives him a dangerous thing to do or something like mm -hmm. something that would have 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 like kind of melded with what we were actually talking about at that time. Instead, we kind of slap this nerd joke you know, on yeah. the side of this scene. And I mean, this is one of the things about this episode, too. Like, this episode narratively is not really that tight. It's it's kind of all over the place. We don't really get... These are all things. Everything that happened in this episode should have happened in little dribbles throughout the run of the season. This should yeah. have been happening. They should have been... If this is such a big deal, what they're doing with Darla, the fact that they can pull it off by doing a quick chant at the company picnic and pulling <laughs> these demons in... You know, and they need this scroll, but then the scroll, then when the scroll is gone, you know, like all of these things would make more sense. Killing the oracles should have happened a few episodes Amen. back. All of this stuff should have slowly escalated throughout the season on top of the other stories we were telling. Instead, they, I mean, it, it's all great stuff, but they jam it all into this episode and it doesn't really have focus. One of the other things I would stake that I think kind of ties into mm -hmm. that, that this does yeah. feel like a rush job in some ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why are there evil monks and why do they just look like regular monks? <laughs> like, are they even demons? They just look like dudes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think they're part time monks. Like, yeah. that they is spend literally half not the year how monks making work. absent. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is literally not how monks work. Oh my God. Also, they should be evil priests. Like, like they're doing an actual. Ritual. Yeah. Monks are lay people. Put some effort into this. <laughs> Put them in like an evil clerical collar. I don't know what that looks like. It's right. red. I don't well, know. It's red. Do right. some, yeah, put, it's... Give them little horns, make them look like demons and put them in priests outfits. But that are I, I don't even know, you know. Uh, right. But do well, once again, we're something. borrowing from this like religious space without having any context for what these things mean. We're like, what do we need? Monks will put them we in. We need a couple you know? of guys <laughs> that are vaguely religious. We have these boring as hell black robes. Perfect. Uh, Who right. says that? <laughs> Angel showrunners. That's right. it. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have anything else to stake before we move into research mode? Can I stake the fact that we had a scythe get thrown into people's backs and it wasn't thrown into Kate's? Because wouldn't have this been the perfect episode to kill her? No, seriously. Except that, you know, we're only hurting the people that actually matter. So notice nobody <laughs> yeah, was after they, Kate. I mean, even yeah. the demon knows. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to cry I killed over your Kate. cop friend. Okay. Cool. You, like, stabbed cool. me in the appendix. <laughs> Neat. Uh, 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 All right, fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so research mode. Kelly Jones, go ahead and get us started. Oh, my God. Okay. So we already talked about Nabbitt. I can leave that question out. Mm -hmm. But the purpose of this raising was to disconnect Angel from the powers that be. But because Angel had the scroll, his connection to the powers that be was complete. And I don't know what to make of that. Um, so no, apparently, it, wasn't complete. it was like, like if, they, if he understood the scroll, but then Lila right? said that it would take time like, for him to understand. And I don't yeah, know. but but what? Yeah. So like, well, what does that do? Right. They don't want Angel to know that his ultimate reward for fulfilling his destiny is to become human. Like, is that the that's the big secret we're trying to hide here? Or it Angel's role in the apocalypse that they're planning a week from Friday? Like, right. What exactly? And 
is the scroll like the super secret decoder ring that was at the bottom of the cereal box and they uh-huh. just really need to keep that shit away from him right. because they went to a lot of trouble mm-hmm. and they're bringing back Darla to you know to keep Angel on whatever this path is that mm-hmm. they see for him um but they don't try to just take Angel out. Mm-hmm. They don't try to just kill him. You know, there's right. all this elaborate planning about, you know, trying to sway him to one side or the other. So is Darla going to be less effective as a pawn if Angel knows that he gets to be human again one day? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I, don't quite get it. And, you know, Wes, when, when they first translate the thing and it says angel's gonna die mm-hmm. wesley says well death doesn't bother him because there's nothing in life he wants it's our mm-hmm. desires that make us human so is that why we're bringing darla back to give angel something to want but to make that wanting be in a place that is going to take him off his path yeah i don't know i mean i know like narratively why we're bringing Darla back because she's awesome. Oh, I mean, hell yeah. You know, and her whole thing is like, she's going to torment Angel in a way that nobody else possibly could. Um, who's not under contract on the other show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is. It, it There's a lot of stuff where if you start thinking, like, I'm like, okay, now all of this effort that you're going to, like, you know, why not just kill him? Maybe because part of this, you know, final battle between good and evil if angel isn't there it doesn't happen and they need that battle in order to win it like mm-hmm. maybe that's it um but yeah i think that there's a lot of um kind of murkiness around this space and it doesn't exactly make sense joshua what did you see there am i misremembering isn't angel very important to the apocalypse but it depends on which side he is working for how important he is or in yes. what way he's important yeah. Isn't that a thing that would have taken care of all this murky nonsense exposition and and would have actually made the guy whose name is on the show the most important thing? Right. And also they would have just made it so that we have the question because right now we have no question what side Angel is going to choose. Right. We have no doubt in our mind that Angel, you know, sitting there, red pill is good blue pill is bad right he's gonna he's gonna have the red pill right you know (laughs) you know so um the idea that there is even a possibility that you know like if they can get angel to choose the wrong side then that is where they win that is when they win you know that if he if he chooses them in that final battle then they have all the power so had we had a little hint of that in this episode i think that probably would have cleared a lot of that up that we just would have known and also had that uneasiness about oh Angel can, you know, choose badness. Like that's right. something that it also happen, would have know? sharpened they, Wesley a little bit, I think, because if oh, you yeah. choose good unenthusiastically, are you actually choosing mm-hmm. good? Yeah. Right. So it's yeah, a little yeah. more it's dangerous for good yes. if he goes evil or right. if he just goes meh. Yeah. Right. And they'd have to tweak the wording of the prophecy too, because you know it says if he fulfills his destiny, his reward yeah. is becoming human. Yeah. Right. Well. Sometimes being human is not the most fun thing. Yeah. (laughs) So I wonder, is it regardless of which side he chooses, Mm -hmm. if he if he makes that choice, if he plays a role in the apocalypse for good or for evil, does he become human either way? And then it's just a battle for that choice. Mm -hmm. Or is his destiny to avert the apocalypse? And he has to make the choice to do that because... Like, this scroll doesn't seem to be a fountain of goodness. Like, yeah. it's, and, and so they don't quite match. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be if Angel fulfills his destiny because he could fulfill a destiny by bringing about the end of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just if they had made that, if Angel averts this apocalypse, right. then he will get his reward and become human. Then that would have tied it all together and it would have made sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that there's a lot of stuff here that that it's all like very cool and it's exciting. And oh, my God, Lindsay got his hand cut off and everything's happening and Darla's in a box. And then when you sit, you think about it, you're like, ah, you know, like it, there are a lot of questions that I think are raised here and, and a lot of which will be, you know, handled later. But I think a little bit of information not playing quite so coy with what it is we're doing here, I think um, could have served this particular episode on its own a little bit better, especially considering that this episode on its own narratively is not on great footing. Yeah. You know, it's there's stuff happening and it's interesting and it's cool, but it's it feels almost more like a series of vignettes rather than a focused narrative. Yeah. And it that brings to mind a research question that I did not put in my notes. But mm-hmm. Josh, because you're here, it just dawned on me. Do, do prophecies and the idea of prophecies play into superhero stories? On a is that a thing? Well, I'm not going to say no, because because everything there plays. Are a one lot thing I'm learning: superhero stories. <laughs> yeah. superhero well, I meant like, stories. would would you think of a prophecy as? Would you be surprised to see that in a superhero story? I think it depends on the superhero. Um, okay. I would be really surprised to see a prophecy be important to. Captain America or Batman or Superman, but if it's like Doctor Strange or Doctor Fate, no, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. um, I you know, okay. or or if it's uh, in the way that Wesley or somebody at Wolfram and Hart shows up and says, "You're the point of this prophecy," like it could be applied to those other guys if somebody who had the authority to declare it so, like Doctor Fate or Doctor mm-hmm. Strange, showed up and was like, "No, this prophecy's super about you, guy." Um. <laughs> But it, okay. but even then, it would be a short-term thing. It would not necessarily be – I wouldn't usually expect it to be a big driving force. That okay. said – I was just curious. I can actually tell you that there is a fairly amazing but also very weird um, series called Seven Soldiers of Victory that is all about a super team that never actually meets one another averting a prophecy that is as old wow. as time. Or at least oh. as old as humanity. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, it, give and take. Depends on where I saw it, if I would okay. be surprised. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, that's, that's really interesting. Um, all right. So, Joshua, what did you have for research mode? Okay. You guys have talked about the oracles before. I... Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I eventually bailed on this show is them not being sure what's going on with the powers that be and how it just kind of undermined the whole enterprise for me. Yeah. The oracles Mm -hmm. are a really good example of this. (laughs) They have a bunch of information. They say there are rules and you're breaking them, but they can't actually enforce the rules. And then they have a bunch of blood. Like, are they humans? Yeah. I don't know. It's very weird. The oracles and the fact that, like, 
as a ghost form or a physical form, I understand she's fading, but she's still there able to like answer questions and tell him things, you know, give information. So like how important is it that they have a physical form? How does this work? If they're so freaking mystical, can't they just come back from it? Like, you know, like what happens if they catch a really bad cold or pneumonia? Like, you know, yes. I mean, like how susceptible are they to our human foibles? Like, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Also. And I mean, this is a little this is a little snark and shade for the world at large, but it it when <laughs> when uh, Grossface Killa comes in and they're like, "You can't be here. This is against the rules." I was like, "Oh, if only evil had been civil." Right. <laughs> <laughs> you mean evil breaks oh, the rules? <laughs> no. Civility way. in the what? great battle between good and evil. That's the key. It's not the key. I wouldn't have even. Even seen that coming. <laughs> You're breaking the rules, evil. Stop yes, have that. you noticed? We're evil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chaotic evil. Deal with it. Oh, no, this cat's definitely lawful evil. He's got rules. They're just oh, he's got his rules. rules. Okay. There's a ritual. All right. There's... <laughs> no, okay. If you have to say the chant five times, probably you are lawful, lawful evil. You're lawful evil. <laughs> um, my other big research mode thing was maybe a question if you guys wanted to talk about it because yes. I have more in-depth thoughts and feelings about the co-opting of religious iconography in lots of things, but especially yes. in Buffy and Angel. And this seems to be a show that wants to worry about goodness in a way that it doesn't mm-hmm. usually, like this episode. Mm-hmm. And it wants to talk about redemption and the idea that somehow Angel becoming a human being is the fulfillment of his redemption. Like redemption is always a theme. But I was very yes. mm-hmm. honestly confused at the idea that becoming human is somehow mm-hmm. the the ultimate culmination of his redemption. And I just, you know, you've you've got me. You have not heard mm-hmm. me go on about this in great detail in any forum because I haven't had one. But I do have a lot of... <laughs> Like thoughts and feelings. No, I want to have that discussion. No, I really want to get, and I think this is the perfect place to get into that discussion because we've talked a lot, you know, throughout the run of of this season on on Still Dead about the kind of co-opting of these religious icons, right? That they are charged from, you know, religion and from history and all of that kind of stuff. And we sort of take them and we use that charge, but we don't give it a greater context. Like your monks, right? right? You know, like anybody who thought about the context for monks would be like well this is not a monk's job he's sweeping the floors like you know um but i think that it's it's interesting especially because one of the things that that we see angel talking about kind of in this very random way is every now and again he'll talk about faith there's this point with Lindsay says you don't see anything you don't know what faith is you know and so again we're pulling on these kind of like religious themes religious ideas the idea of redemption being you know that he becomes human and yet earlier in the season he was human and he yeah. Gave it back. He right. didn't want it. Right. So, um, so I find that really interesting. I would love to hear your perspective on all of that. So you guys have brought up like some various things, like obviously we hope that the name angel means something, but I don't mm-hmm. know that it actually does. I mean, in terms of what yeah. this show is, you know, right? Mm-hmm. and yeah, it's weird to me when angel talks about having faith in something you know, not not because he shouldn't or whatever, but but just because this show does not really make the space for that. Like you can right. literally 
pick up the supernatural phone and talk to the powers that be, which are ostensibly the good guys. Like, right. what's, what's your faith, man? Like, just ask them. Right, because you have proof. Yeah. Um, I mean, faith is, is, what is the technical definition of faith? I mean, I've always kind of understood it as a, a belief in things unproven, right? I think unproven is, here, hold on. Let me actually find the proper scripture so I don't uh, get it wrong. Ooh, huh? pulling out scripture. This is serious. Holy I love Christ. it. <laughs> He's going to cite his sources. Kelly's going to But I want to get it. I want to get it right. This is not one. <laughs> I do appreciate the citation of sources. Kelly's I would also swoon. I would also yeah. disagree with that definition of faith, but I say that as someone um, with no spiritual practice of her own. I, I don't know. I mean, that's my understanding of it, but I haven't really thought about it on a, a much deeper level. I've just always kind of like it's a it's a belief in things unproven. You know, like for me, that's the very yeah. simplistic and probably not at all correct or nuanced enough idea of what faith is, which is why well, I'm asking y'all. Yeah. Angel also told Lindsay, you know, he said, you put your faith in wolf mm-hmm. in the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's so much about I'm choosing to believe in something that I can't see or that I can't prove Mm -hmm. so much as it is actively choosing to align yourself with a paradigm or a perspective. Um, Well, then is faith the right word? I think it is because you have to believe in the choice that you're making. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And maybe that's the difference between faith and a belief because faith to me requires action of some kind. Mm-hmm. Whereas belief can just be a thought, um, mm. but I have absolutely no citations for that at all. Like that is just my personal take. So I would very much like to hear real sources from John. <laughs> well, okay. on a definition. So, <laughs> this is uh, New Testament sources, so your mileage may vary, right? But mm-hmm. it does say um, in Hebrews, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen." Okay. Uh-huh. When you can actually reach out and touch the things, it's not faith anymore. Mm-hmm. And right. I I do agree uh, very seriously with the difference between faith and belief. Like belief is intellectual assent. You check a box, you move on. I can believe mm-hmm. a thing is bad, but if I never actually do anything about that bad thing, what good is it? You know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, that's this is another reason we've recently talked about uh why there aren't a lot of religious ideas specifically brought into uh, superhero comics because superheroes are mm-hmm. supposed to be our moral compass, our highest authority, uh, at yeah. least for the purposes of the fable, right? That they that they're being, mm-hmm. um, and so it's like I don't have to have faith. Superman's right there, you know. Uh, that that's that's why it's very now. In that context, though, I think Angel is right to use faith with. Lindsay, because Lindsay is going for the assurance of things that he hopes will happen by serving Wolfram and Hart. Mm -hmm. And he is under the conviction of things unseen, not so much the the senior partners per se, but the Mm -hmm. idea that Wolfram and Hart is going to take care of him, is going to reward him. Right. Is going Mm -hmm. to ultimately be something worth putting his time and effort and energy and life toward. And mm-hmm. no, you know, I mean, at least that's the message yeah. we want from the show is the answer is no, it's not. Um, mm-hmm. uh, okay, I do like that definition because I was struggling with the idea of what it means to have faith in a person. 
Um, because you see Wesley having, you know, he's now has faith in Angel to some extent. But that does require things unseen because you can never predict someone's future behavior. Like, not for real, but you choose who you have faith in. Yes. Right. It's hoping uh, for. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I do like that definition. Mm-hmm. So going back to this idea of redemption, you know, um, so themes of redemption, you know, Joshua, you were saying are like, you know, really big in religion. Is this a reflection of those like religious so themes? So I'd say that they're really big in Abrahamic religions. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. really big in, you know, every religion across time. So the, definitely because this is a show that borrows from Christian symbolism largely. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. The idea of redemption, because that is yes. that is huge to Christianity. It's huge to uh, Judaism in a different way, and I mm-hmm. think it's huge to Islam in yet another completely different way. Um, <laughs> but they are all about we're kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. How do we stop being a mess? In in I'm really being reductive, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, right. And I guess the place where that bothers me in Angel is it's like what is he redeeming himself from because we're never you guys have talked about this at length but it's like how clear are we that any of the bad things he did are actually his fault right i mean i think that's a question i don't think it's a question that the show asks i think the show comes down very firmly that he did all of these bad things but you know my question is if you don't have a soul if you're possessed by a demon you know the culpability is a question there yeah so what what do you actually need redeeming from you know, mm-hmm. and the question now, this is a part that I that I really appreciate if they had worked out the redemption angle for for Angel, the idea that doing good will somehow balance the scales is kind yeah. of bonkers and nonsense. I mm-hmm. mean, there is no good thing you can do that will undo the bad thing you did. Right. And I think Angel has said that, hasn't he, Kelly? Where he yeah, said there's he nothing, has. he's like, because his he told, whole thing is that there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. to undo it. But, you know, basically my understanding of his position is I'm here, <laughs> you know, I, I do the good thing because, because it's, it's good, good, not because I'm going to yes, get something out of yes. it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel perhaps I came to that realization because of doing many bad things and feeling convicted about it. But nevertheless, I do good mm-hmm. because good is a thing worth doing. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Like that I get. And and anyway, you know, it's a muddle. Like you guys have talked about this a lot. It's a muddle. I do love redemption as a thing for this clearly demonic character who is now given mm-hmm. a reason to be good or do good. Um, I, yeah. You get this a little bit, uh, or at least you get a juxtaposition of this with Nightcrawler from the X-Men who looks like a demon, but he is devoutly Catholic. Even mm-hmm. though other religious people want to burn him at the stake because he looks like a demon. He's like, yeah, but I get it. I look like this, you know, I am not this, but I look like this. And that, you know, that juxtaposition is really interesting. Um, I I don't know. They just, it's, this also swings around to that is being human really that great a reward. Yeah. Right. When we are surrounded on the show by awful human beings. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I really like redemption, for this show, especially because you guys have talked about like the hard-boiled or noir underpinnings where everything is at least a little bit corrupted. Um, yeah. But I don't, yeah, I just don't know that they tie a bow on it in a way that 
well, and again, you've talked about this a lot. They don't, they, they take the energy of the iconography or idea and don't really think it all the way through, which is disappointing. Yeah, they, <laughs> they pull it in devoid of context. And I think that when you're using stuff like that, the context is really important to the power of that symbol. And it, it feels a little flat to me. And I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective on that. You know, as somebody with much more experience with with, you know, Christianity, you know, um, than I have. So the idea that the world around you is overwhelmingly dark and evil, but you do the <laughs> good thing anyway, and you do it because it is the good thing, not because it's going to win per se, but because <laughs> it is the right thing to do, you know, in this moment. And I love that for Angel. I love yes. also mm -hmm. that, especially in this episode, we make it clear that doing good things for individuals is the, including, you know, your friends and family is the way that mm -hmm. you combat larger systemic evil. I mean, yes. I mm -hmm. think that is incredibly important to my faith, but also to just like living in the hellscape that we're currently in, in the year of our Lord, 2018. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing I can do about systemic evils. But I can find mm -hmm. one person who is suffering from those systemic evils and help them. And then I can find a next person yeah. who is suffering mm -hmm. from evil under that systemic system and do something for them, you know. So mm -hmm. I, those things I really love. And I think those things are uh, traditionally Christian ideas. Mm -hmm. um, they've been undermined quite a bit of recent, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, which which is very i mean this is not a show about me and my struggles but it's very difficult for me personally <laughs> that i'm surrounded mm -hmm. by people who seem to think very different ideas about redemption from the same root supposedly you know right well it's a, it's a bastardized it's a bastardization of the source like it's taking the source material but but gearing it into a way that it was never intended or that it should never have been intended to have been used, you know? Um, and that's just evil. Like, that's just, you know, that's just bad. But, um, but this idea of, like, doing good for good's sake, you know, not because you're going to get rewarded, not because you're going to go to heaven, not because you're going to get made human again, not because you're going to be redeemed for all the terrible things that you've done, but simply because good for good's sake is the only way to live a life that is fulfilling and that has meaning. You know, that you you are devoid of meaning and context when you're just plain evil, mm -hmm. when you're just doing bad things because. Mm -hmm. And even though you may get a really great corner office at Wolfram and Hart, the, um, the greater understanding of the world, like the internal space is not that great, you know. Oh. Um, and, and Angel with his, you know, like dingy little office has a much broader and more meaningful internal yes. space and that that's really what's most important. And I think that that feels to me like um, a message that that is aligned with the intent of, I think, most religions, right? You know, regardless of whether people may bastardize that intent for their own, like, evil purposes, that's just people walking around, you know, wearing the demon cape, yeah. right? You know, but it's not really, it doesn't have any, you put the cape on, but that doesn't have any meaning. You know, your internal space is still essentially corrupt. And that it's that internal space that really matters. Um, and I think that that's kind of what, we're talking about with Wolfram and Hart has everything. They have the cars and they have the power and they have the, you know, beautiful offices and they have all the money, but it doesn't matter. And so Lonnie, hearing you talk about that 
made a light bulb go off for me about mm-hmm. why becoming human might be a reward for Angel. Okay. Because I was thinking about this in terms of, all right, he's a vampire, but he has a soul. So he already has that element of humanity. So what's the big deal about becoming human? But for Angel, in his one specific case, I think it makes sense if we think about it in terms of the curse and in terms mm-hmm. of the fact that he could become Angelus again. Right. Because it's not just the choice between vampire with a soul or human. It's if he's human, he could never be in that space where he might become Angelus again. Right. So he yeah. gets to, you know, he will hold on to his soul. He will hold on to that goodness without constantly having to, you know, worry about turning. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is why it's the reward for him. It's not so much about being human as it is being permanently ensouled. And if and, I look at it that yeah. way, it makes a lot more sense. Right. No, well, absolutely. It does, I think. Does it? <laughs> He's. I, well, I don't know. I just. No, I like talking that off angle. The cuff here. But the rest of the show, I don't feel. And Buffy also doesn't set that up. You're surrounded by humans who give into the darkness all the time. It's it's oh, more yeah, like yeah, but his but there's a difference. giving into a different darkness. Yeah, but there's still a difference between choosing to give into a darkness and having your soul removed from you without your choice. Well, and then like, right, I, and it's also there's that demon infestation. It is it is being cleansed. Right. Like if Angel becomes human, he is cleansed from the curse. From the possibility that he could lose his soul and do terrible, terrible things, um, but this this demon inside of him that you know we've talked about this that he has to battle every single day. Right. He wouldn't have to to have that battle anymore because the demon part of him would be gone. Right. And he could still, as a human, make terrible choices. Right. But they would be human choices. You know. With, and he wouldn't have that incredible amount of power to do exactly. as much damage if, exactly. if he did go bad. Right. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So if I look at it like that, it yeah. now makes sense to me in a way it didn't before we had that. That's discussion. definitely better. Yeah. It it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't quite do it for me, but that's definitely better. All right. Well, uh, Kelly, you got anything else for us in research questions? Yes, this is very serious. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what in holy hell is up with this show and boxes. <laughs> like, right. oh my god, we put all the pieces of the um. Of the psychic surgery guy in boxes. we Yeah. Yep. You know, we've got Darla in a box. The alien girl came out of a box. The alien girl came out I'm of a box. I'm still not there's sure she was an boxes. alien. There's a lot of people in boxes. There's a lot of people in boxes. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I need to know what the hell is up with the boxes. But we're not going to be able to answer that right now. So I'm just throwing it you out there. You can Google. No, it's interesting. <laughs> you can Google, <laughs> like, Western mystical traditions... And boxes. And I think that you will find a great deal of various and sundry, like things being put in a box and some sort of sigil or rune or something being put on Mm -hmm. the box to keep it safe. Or, you know, we're not going to start this giant argument, but Pandora's box, which was not a box, it was a jar, but still. um, Right, like, like you... Pandora's jar does not have the same ring. I'm sorry, that's that was just because you're used to hearing Pandora's box. So, <laughs> uh, 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 
So, I mean, I think without there are a bunch of answers to this. And again, it's it's very much like the religion or uh, as we'll talk about the kind of Batman and superhero stuff that they do where they just borrow the concept and don't really deal with it. The thing is that boxes are so widely ubiquitous in Western mystical traditions that I think they can kind of get away with it. It doesn't mean remotely the same thing every time a box shows up. But that's also why I'm like, just Google it because there's a lot, you know. Wow. But, but okay. why would I Google direct answers when I can ponder this and ponder this and ponder this and weed through it for five seasons and try to come up with my very own idea that makes absolutely no sense? Because that's fun for me, Josh. You're taking away my fun and giving me Kelly, homework. Kelly, there is nothing about looking at Western <laughs> mystical traditions that's going to give you a final answer on anything. <laughs> okay, in that case, okay, I'm I, I knew my All audience. Right. all right so i'm gonna brood a little bit while tashanshu in la isn't so much a structured story as a mad rush to a game changer there are a lot of great things in it and the way it resets the stage for the upcoming season of angel is pretty great this is a watcher both because it's good and because everything that should have been happening all season happens right now plus darla's back so you know Wild Ride is on the way. I think there's a lot of good stuff here, so I'm really glad that we watched it. Um, but that moves us into a discussion that we started Still Dead with. We uh, talked, uh, we had Joshua come on and give us like a little, you know, um, kind of primer on superheroes versus mystery men, which we played in the first episode of Still Dead. Um, and now that I've got you here live, let's talk about that. Is Angel a superhero? Is he a mystery man? Is he something else entirely? I feel like I've just taken like a, a toy, a mechanic, toy version of Joshua and just wound it all up and now I'm just going to let it go. Um, no, I can answer this question with uh, academic dispassion. Okay, all right. Okay. The Batman comparisons, I will lose my shit. All right, well, let's get into that in a little bit because that'll be fun. All right, so if you haven't listened to the very first episode of this show, what are you doing with your life? But also, I will run through very quickly the, what what I, now, I am not a definitive Source, I am open to conversation, but I have thought a lot about this, and these are the things that I feel are essential to a superhero aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Not all equally essential, and the you know the knobs can be turned up and down on them, but we'll talk about <laughs> it. So you guys stop. I'm just going to do high lines. I'm not even going to do as much as I did in the first episode. You guys stop me if there's anything you take issue uh. with. One, you got to have superpowers. Okay, Angel has superpowers. Two, sure. <laughs> I mean, ish. I knew he I'm was not going to argue against it because you're right. I knew he you're was right. going to say but that. But I mean, the how and the why can kind of, again, the knob, right? We're turning this up or down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got to have a colorful costumed identity. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. You have to be hiding your civilian identity. He's very bad at that yeah. and not in a comical secret identity shenanigans right. way. Mm-hmm. You got to fight crime. Sort of. He does this sort of. Yeah. But you also have to fight crime that cloaks itself in colorful costumed identities. Not very often. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a big one, and I'm just going to cruise right past it unless you guys make me get into the weeds. But you have to battle internal conflicts, literalized externally. Mm -hmm. Buffy and Angel are pretty good about that, though. Mm -hmm. You also have to be better people than us so as to inspire us. And Angel does this sometimes Mm -hmm. better than others. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of writers and there's not enough people at the helm of the ship sometimes or sometimes there's too many and you know Mm -hmm. anyway you 
aspirational is a, important for superheroes. So those are the okay. ones that are required for superheroing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was t- tallying score. And if we follow that and we give Angel points, then he is exactly tied between yes and no of being a superhero. Okay. Well, which ones do you give to him? I'll give you superpowers. Yep. I uh, gave him superpowers. Now, not having a colorful costumed identity is worth more than negative one points. Oh, well then, <laughs> oh, so these okay. have different, they're, they're weighted. I didn't realize our points were weighted, Josh. Right. So, um. <laughs> so the weights can change, but there are so many stories about people with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men where they don't dress up in colorful costumes, that that is one of the big ones. There were no such things as superheroes before Superman shows up and part of Superman's differentiation, a huge part of it, was the outfit. Uh-huh. So that's a pretty big one. All right. Okay. okay, so I think basically we can say Angel's not a superhero. Do we all agree on that? 150 bajillion percent. <laughs> I think I'm convinced that I would not define him as a superhero. Kelly? I think I am convinced within the context of Josh's definition that he is not a superhero. Okay, great. So what about the mystery man? So mystery man, I don't actually think he's a mystery man either, but that gets Mm -hmm. closer to the truth of it. Okay. So a mystery man is kind of a concept that existed after superheroes, but also very much before. When you go to pulp magazines, which it were the sort of cheap entertainment of choice in the teens, mm-hmm. 20s, and 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so were comic books, but comic books were more aimed at children until World War II when they were shipped overseas to GIs. Mm-hmm. Pulps would be the thing that the adult is buying for cheap entertainment. And and I say adult very loosely because a lot of people at the time felt that if you were reading pulp magazines, you were probably lowbrow, not very smart. It was your guilty pleasure, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But they had hero pulps like Doc Savage, who is in many ways a kind of template for some things that we now think of as Superman things. Okay. But, but he was more turned to about eight and Superman's got him turned to 11, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mystery men would be like your shadow or the spider mm-hmm. or green hornet. Are you all familiar with any of those people? I'm familiar nope. with the uh, with shadow and the green hornet. Okay. Uh, the then only thing I know it. about the shadow is what you told me. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So you have people who are, if not costumed, wear distinctive clothing. Mm-hmm. They're often still masked or at least hide their identity. They operate you know, under cover of darkness, in shadow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they have low-level powers, right? Like the shadow was able to cloud men's minds. It's basically be invisible through hypnosis. Mm-hmm. But but most of the time, they don't have any superpowers. They might, uh, Green Hornet's got a cool car and a gas gun. Okay. Right? <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's not like a full-blown costumed persona, right? Mm-hmm. So the, those are mystery men. You, if you if you think of, if you want to start delineating superheroes and if you have uh, like Superman or Captain America as kind of the paragon that's like the bright daytime, we go out in the day and inspire people. And then you mm-hmm. have kind of a dark Avenger type with Batman. The flip of that with pulps would be heroes, hero pulps versus mystery man pulps. Mm-hmm. I think Angel gets closer to a mystery man by and large. Okay. 
But there are still yeah. some kind of have, like fundamental he does have things. Supernatural there. power, though. I'm, you know, by virtue of being a vampire, he has supernatural power. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But again, you can have that. Like the shadow has. Yeah. Mysteries of the East, God help us, <laughs> that allow him to cloud men's minds. You know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I there's there's some comparison there. Yeah. Um, All right. So what about Batman? The way that he is absolutely Batman. He's got all these gadgets. He's got a cool car. Um, He's got a British sidekick. (laughs) He has multiple sidekicks, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I I often refer to the the angel aesthetic of movement as Batmaning, the way that he'll just dive off a building. No, absolutely. He has that big cape that that sort of like when he walks. Well, he's got a coat. Let's not go crazy. Okay, well, it's KB. It's a it's a it's a duster, you know. I mean, it's it's got it's cape esque, right? Um, so you have this whole sense of like it has a very Batmany aesthetic to it. Um, and uh, are you telling me that I am imagining this? No, 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 no. I I think okay. Here is the here is the thing about playing with these concepts now, right? Is that now a lot of this has kind of been flattened out. You don't yeah. get mystery man stories by and large right Mm -hmm. um nobody is thinking about that as a concept and by by the way for what i will nod at the pulp librarian on twitter who did an amazing thread on all kinds of sort of stock archetype protagonists from pulp Uh and i think that angel we'll put this to bed before we move on to the batman stuff i would say angel falls into the area of someone who is damned like capital d Okay. They have uh-huh. done something terrible or several things terrible mm-hmm. that have locked them into a dark place. Whatever that that can mean a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. Um sometimes with the damned something terrible happens to them that leaves them in a dark place. Um mm-hmm. they lost their family to crime or to terrorism or to what you know, it can be things they chose or it can be things done to them, but it leaves them in a place where they do not feel that they can be redeemed. And so they use their separateness from society to safeguard society. Uh-huh. That but does they sound are like Angel. not I, I mean, Angel, it's interesting to me that everybody talks about Angel working for redemption and Angel doesn't talk about himself working for redemption very much. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, he doesn't. And that's he does to other people. He did to Faith, he did to Lindsay. And so you can kind of figure that that's in there somewhere, but he doesn't, I don't think he applies that stuff to himself as much as he does to other people. Yeah. And so he's not even really trying to balance the scales as much as he's saying many bad things have happened to me that left me empowered in ways that make me separate. But Mm -hmm. I see the value of being a part of, and therefore I will protect that thing that people are a part of. Yeah. So I I would like that a lot. I would lay the damned at the feet of Angel as probably his archetype if we had to be archetypal. I like it. I like it. I'm I'm willing to, you know, to go ahead and settle on that, that he's a, a damned. He's a damned person. Well, <laughs> so it, is, is it a damned it, hero, Josh, or is it just a damned mystery so, man? Is it? <laughs> I really, so. <laughs> when you were reading Pulps, so th- again, d- bear with me a moment, right? Because this this is a very pulp concept. And not that we've ever stopped telling various types of pulp fiction, but just kind of going to the root of it, the idea of sort of uh, sterling heroes 
was less a thing that pulps were concerned with. They were trash media, right? Um, so you have the dams are definitely always the protagonist and they're always protecting somebody or doing bad things to worse people, but -hmm. you would not necessarily consider them heroic. Now, here we are all these years later and we're kind of synthesizing things. And I love the idea of having a heroic damned, like somebody who recognizes the value of heroism and attempts to apply it to themselves, but at the same time, doesn't actually think they are a hero. Mm -hmm. That's pretty great. It's Batman sometimes, you know, Um, it's a lot of uh, other sort of lesser versions of Batman that crop up often Mm -hmm. work in that space. Uh, So that's great. I think you can have a heroic damned. But the the thing that makes them or kind of leaves them in that space for me is that they would never apply that to themselves. That's interesting. I like that, too. I like that. So that means that Angel is Batman and we're right. Good God, no. (laughs) You know, sometimes I do it just to hear that oh, I know. from Joshua. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> I know. It really is like being picked on by two sisters. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry, Josh. Oh, no. Not the... really. I'm actually not sorry at all. No, you guys think you're picking on me, but really, you brought knives to a gunfight. You're not ready for this. <laughs> all right. All right. Bring out your guns. Okay. Tell us about the Batman Broadly, song. broadly. They are doing the same thing to Batman things that they have done to religious iconography. Okay. Right. All right. Where they just borrow bits of it without really inspecting what that does or what comparisons they're making. Okay. Okay. All right. Please just tell me the show is over whenever you're ready because here we go. Jumping off of high things or vanishing when people aren't looking is Batmaning as a verb is legit. I'm down with okay. it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's that's fine. I I I I sort of don't love when they make it textual in the show because it's a little too genre savvy mm-hmm. for Angel. It's like Cordy talks about Batmaning. She's never read a comic book in her life. Uh, <laughs> Wesley is from England. He has not read American comic. I mean, you know, it's like it's a weird mm-hmm. comparison sometimes for the characters themselves to make. Yeah. And it it makes me wonder what they think they're doing when they compare Angel to Batman. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Because let's remember what what year this is. Schumacher Batman is what's on the pop cultural consciousness by and large, mm-hmm. which is based very heavily in kind of Batman 66 feel, mm-hmm. which is silly. It's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, which is fine. I love that stuff, but it's not. Well, I love Batman 66. I have a mixed feeling about Schumacher, but what do these okay, people. Which one is Schumacher? Is that the Michael Keaton one? No. Uh, the first two, Batman 89 and Batman Returns are Tim Burton projects. After that, yes. they become Joel Schumacher projects. Oh, okay. I wasn't familiar with the Joel Schumacher. You're fine. Okay. Really, you're good. <laughs> I mean, they're not. We, we should watch them together. They are interesting for historical uh-huh. perspective. But at this uh-huh. time, that is the Batman that would be in the mind of Wesley and Cordelia. Now, okay. you may have nerds writing this show who are thinking more about O'Neill and Adams' Batman, or they are thinking, mm-hmm. you know, about more serious takes that were going on in the comic book since about 1985. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not 
what the characters are going to be thinking. And so I'm like, whenever you guys say Batmaning, are you comparing him to Adam West? <laughs> or are we breaking the character to make right. reference to things going on behind oh, the show? I never thought yeah. of that. You are so yeah. right. I mean, it's possible that Cordelia is rushing home every afternoon to watch Batman the Animated Series, but I sort of think not. <laughs> Probably not. So, I mean, that's one of my big deals with Angel. Just thinking about the time that the show was made and whenever they do it textually, it's odd. It rings mm-hmm. false. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in the process, that leaves you guys going, but why isn't he Batman? <laughs> And Mostly one big I way is he's not a superhero, and Batman is. <laughs> kind of a big one, you know. Um, but there's also, there is also a lot of really fundamental stuff that makes them very different characters that, that kind of have some surface comparisons, but they don't, they're not deep, right? right. There is a certain version of Batman that some people like a lot. And I think it's the one that has made it to larger media depictions more often that, that uh-huh. really puts him in the space of damned. Right. Yes. But we have 80 years of Batman comics and 90% of those definitely, that might be strong at this point, but definitely 80, 85% of those are not damned mm-hmm. because when Robin comes along, he becomes a dad. Right. And now he can't be this nihilistic dark Avenger. He's got to think about this other person he's taking care of and what he looks like as an example to that person. Mm-hmm. And so he stops being driven by vengeance, mm-hmm. which, which to be honest, I mean, I can tell you right now from jump street, it was never really vengeance. The, the, yeah. the earliest stories have, Bruce Wayne swearing on his parents' spirits. I I swear by the spirits of my parents that I will spend my life and my fortune warring against crime. Not criminals. Not the criminals that killed my parents. Capital C crime. Mm -hmm. It is big picture stuff, right? We play with him as Dan for a little bit, but as soon as he starts getting other human beings that he is responsible for, now we've addressed the problem that Angel has in this episode, which is Uh he is tied to things in the world other than his mission. He has a family. Mm -hmm. And it's a family that is also tied into the mission. That's how they be a family together. Yeah. And, you know, so the, the, the motivations are very, Batman's not atoning for anything. He's always been a hero. You know, mm-hmm. that's right. a big, mm-hmm. that's a big difference, a big deal. Also, and this is not really a slam on Angel. It's just looking at the different ways that things work is that Batman is um like if he has a superpower, it's capability. He is just eminently capable. Mm-hmm. Angel is very powerful. He's very strong. He is an excellent fighter. You know, he's committed to the good. He's all those things. He is not eminently capable. <laughs> he is not a great detective. He is not even uh-huh. a mediocre detective. <laughs> He's not, he doesn't even do his own research half the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Josh, if you can convince me that Batman is a badass researcher, I'm going to start watching the show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kelly, listen to this. World's greatest detective. That is a thing that Uh, he has been called for decades. Okay. Detecting right. is I'm gonna have to give it a finding shot. details and tying them together <laughs> with research. 
All right. And anybody anybody out there who is finding this fascinating, which we are, um, (laughs) Joshua, what is it? It's it's the animated series. You do um, an animated discussion. So let's talk about that a little bit so people know where to find you and where to find that if they want to dive deeper into that Batman. Sure. I have a few places you can do that. Um, An animated discussion. We'll look at the entire DC animated universe eventually, but we started Mm -hmm. at the beginning with Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a really interesting take on the character that is both very action-adventure kid-friendly, but takes a very nuanced and noir look at the character as it goes. There's always Mm -hmm. a big set piece. There's always a lot of action, but we are also doing episodes that I jokingly refer to as Cool Hand Bruce because Batman's only in it for 30 seconds at the end after Bat- after Bruce Wayne has been living through Cool Hand Luke. You know, that uh-huh. this kind of juxtaposition. Eventually, that show will get into a much larger superhero space because mm-hmm. the Superman animated series comes along and they redesign Batman so that they can coexist. And then when those shows go away, we get Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and, you know, the doors get blown mm-hmm. off. Um, I am, I've been promising slash threatening this for some time. And I think that this conversation has pushed me over the edge. And Mm -hmm. hopefully by the time you are listening to this episode, I will have a new episode of Superhero University that is really diving into what I think is the beginning of the best Batman story that goes on for about, I think it was five or six, eight years, something like this in the comics. Mm -hmm. But it starts with a story called Batman and Son. And even before that, I'm going to do a historical look at Batman because there's a lot you need to know about how he has changed over the decades that feeds into this big opus by a writer I love named Grant Morrison. And his primary ethic for this story is every Batman story has happened, uh-huh. including the goofy ones that you hate, nerds, you know. <laughs> So uh, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, I'm already into that superhero university. But if not, keep an eye out for it. I've been threatening it for a while and just haven't been able to get it done because it is actually a significant research project. <laughs> well, anybody looking for more from Joshua uh, should go to pulpdiction.biz. You can find all of the podcasts there. I highly recommend one called WTF Golden Age, um, which is one of my favorite things. It is just delightful and uh, and it's very fun so anybody who is interested in comics or uh, or is now really interested in learning about comics you want to go to pulpdiction.biz joshua unruh is the best you know comic book sherpa you're ever going to find <laughs> yes Fantastic. i will co-sign that well thank <laughs> you very much and i'll also say um it's a little more on the serious end of wtfga mm-hmm. but i do actually talk quite a bit about mystery men in there because i re- i kind of reviewed a okay but not great series that was like what if we took all the pulp mystery men and threw them together like a justice league and it it's a mixed bag you know (laughs) but it does let me talk about these very famous mystery men that you may have heard of like zorro Mm -hmm. you know so all right well it's very cool there's lots of great stuff over there so but we are running real long so we're gonna (laughs) go ahead and wrap this up um let's go to our favorite part of Tashanshu in la kelly what was your favorite part so we talked about opening with wesley and angel and cordy together with wesley translating the scroll and then ending the same way and wesley has this wonderful line where he says i better cross-reference that (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> you are just <laughs> swooning. Like, Citations and cross-referencing. Specifically to delight me. Um, yes. It's wonderful. And then we get Darla at the end, and it's going to lead into some of my favorite stuff, and I'm going to fangirl like crazy because it's Darla. What about you, Lonnie? What was your favorite part? For me, it's when Angel cuts off Lindsay's hand, mm-hmm. which is a little weird, I know, because I usually do not like violence. All that kind of stuff throws me off. But it is, it's so no fucks given. And it means that this with Lindsay just became personal, which I love. Giving a personal face to the beef between Angel Investigations and Wolferman Hart, and more broadly, the powers that be versus the senior partners, is exactly what the show needs. And the promise of how that's going to make Lindsay even more badass as he descends deeper into darkness is really cool. So I, I kind of like that based on the potential that it brings oh, in. Yeah. Um, but it's such a powerful moment that it's it's always the moment that is is shocking, you know, to me the most. Um, Joshua, what about you? Do you have a favorite part of that episode? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like in here. I think I'm going to give like a an honorable mention to mm-hmm. one of the most Batman lines Angel probably ever gives, which is to Kate yeah. when he says, uh-huh. you want me to be an enemy? Try me. Oh, right. This is that is nice. This is strong. That's an also mention because the big one yes. is, and you can blame leverage for this. I love it when they blow up the headquarters. Oh, sure. Because it means yeah. something to the next season. It's we don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be different. And leverage did this two or three times. Yes, absolutely. And it was always blowing up the headquarters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Game changers are always really fun. I love they those. are. I have an honorable mention from our recording of this episode um, yes. because Josh wrote like the perfect definition for the word detective and uh-huh. defining terms like that is awesome. <laughs> um, and I think it was fantastic. And I got so tickled by that. So thank you for that. Josh. My pleasure. <laughs> If I'm winning Batman arguments, it's all worth it. It's gravy. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So, Kelly, from all of season one of Angel, what's your favorite episode? So, if I had to pick just one, it would be five by five. Mm -hmm. But that's very closely followed um, by Sanctuary and Blind Date. um, Yeah. Which are just, I love the three. I love what they do together. Um, But if I had to pick one, it would be five by five. What about you? Yeah. A complete match. Although I'd probably throw in Warzone too. I have a tough time choosing between all of those. It's like which one is yeah. my second favorite. Yeah. Um, but five by five is absolutely and five by five I think is the part of the season where we really start to Angel starts to become Angel. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh so for me that is a turning point in the season. It's a turning point in the show and I absolutely love it. And it's also just a fantastic episode yeah. on its own. Joshua, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. It was so much fun to have you here it's fun because you have so much knowledge because you're so much fun but also i really enjoy having you and kelly bicker like a couple <laughs> of siblings it is delightful to me so i hope that uh if you ever are interested at all we will absolutely have you back thank you so much and can you tell people where they can find you you bet um you can find me on twitter at joshua unruh j-o-s-h-u-a-u-n-r-u-h um, you can also find all of my various and sundry podcasts at pulpdiction.biz. That's diction with a D. Um, <laughs> I also write fiction, including mystery man fiction. So if I sound like I know what I'm talking about, you can find out about all my various fiction at joshuaunruh.com. The mystery man stuff I do with a co-writer named Daniel Swenson, and we keep all that at empirecity.com. 
All right. So there are plenty of places where you can find Joshua. Joshua, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. It was delightful. Thank you so much for having me and ranting about Batman. <laughs> I love it. It was great. <laughs> All right, to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. For more in-depth discussion, visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can support Chipperish Media to the tune of $1 a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and Joshua and all of the Chipperish patrons who have a lot of demons to fight and a lot of people to help. Visit <laughs> patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more you can also show your support for still dead by going to apple podcasts and giving us a review that's one of the most effective ways to show support for any podcast that you love or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell people about us word of mouth is one of the most powerful things to help a podcast succeed we will be back next time with the first two episodes of season two judgment and are you now or have you ever been both of which are watchers until then We are all very pleased you're here. We know it's a bit confusing, but it's going to be better soon. A lot better. Darla. Darla.